You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. The Lord allowed me personally to have an incredible father-in-law. Passed away a year and a half ago, age 95. He pastored the same church for 57 years in Illinois. I had the joy of working for him before I was married and then the first year of our marriage. And I learned so much from him. He knew the Bible. He'd get up at 4 o'clock every morning and read his Bible from normally from 4 to 12, studying it out on the farm where he grew up and then come into the city. He had eight kids all in church this morning, and uh, three of them were pastors. And um, the two girls, my wife and my sister-in-law, are here. The six boys are in Illinois. It's just such an honor to be in his presence. I learned so much from him. I'd clean his office as a janitor and go by the little metal folding chair where it was his prayer area. And uh, every day, every few days, I'd get in there, empty his garbage. And there was always Kleenex where he was kneeling and he was praying. He was praying over his church. He was a student of the Word of God. He was a farmer and farmer on the family farm, and God called him to preach. And for 57 years, stayed in the same church. At, at, at age 45, his wife passed away, leaving him with eight kids. And then I saw him eventually get remarried and then bury the second wife in time. Then uh, during COVID, was alone for a year and a half, about, in the, about a year, I guess, in the nursing home facility under care and not allowed any visitors. And just until the last day of his life, for 30 minutes, three of the family members got to go in and say goodbye. Very sad situation. I love that father-in-law. But one thing drove me crazy about him. I mean, literally, he'd drive me nuts with this. He believed, and I'm a young man at the time, 50 years ago almost now. I'm a young man, and I'm, I'm like Peter, impetuous. You know, let's do something. Either build a building or burn one down, but let's just do something. You know, and I, I never pastored a church before, but I tell you what, I knew how to get that thing going. And he believed on something that I don't know why he was so, he was so impressed with this thought. It was just everything in his life drove me nuts. He believed on waiting on God. Why wait? Let's do something and ask forgiveness later if you need to. He, he would say, well, let's just wait. It's an amazing thing how I learned early, and I'm still learning how right he was. I'm coming to you on behalf of one word today, and it's going to fall on every person's ears that needs to hear it today, myself especially. Wait. Just wait. Wait means Sit. It means still, patiently calm. Just wait, just wait. Stop being so impetuous. Well, I just the way I am, I got the, well, let's change. Stop, slow down. Stop needling him to death. Stop needling her to death. Stop, 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 stop creating chaos in those kids. Stop, stop disregarding your parents. 
Just stop. Slow down. Sit still. Be calm. Those are good things to say. Amen. It takes longer to that preach if I have to do my own. Amen. Just, just patiently still. Patiently quiet. Patiently resting and trusting that God knows what's best. Um, I, I tell you the joy of pastoring this church 46 years. I have learned it and I'm learning it. When this church has come to points where we just had a wait, when God wasn't on our timetable, he's causing us to get on his timetable. And when God would make us wait, those were the greatest and are the greatest days in the church's life. This COVID has caused us to wait. Some of you spend all your energy upset with God and upset with man and upset with, and, and God has us, God's got us, he has us here for some reason right now. He's having us wait. I wouldn't do it this way. But God's way is always the right way. In the book of Acts, Jesus has not yet ascended. He died on the cross, he was buried, and he rose again, but now he's 40 days tabernacling with men, tabernacling with men, and they're seeing him, and he's talking to them. And the Bible says in verse number three, during this time to whom he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them 40 days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God, and being assembled together, now stop right here. Can you imagine the excitement? Their leader was crucified on the cross. He was scourged and literally where his organs were falling out as they scourged him. Ripped his body to shred. They sliced him open. They nailed him to the cross. They put a crown of thorns and beat it with a reed like a bamboo substance, beat it into his head and they plucked the beard from his face and they spit on his face and they, they mocked him and ridiculed him. There he died and it became dark on the planet Earth that day and there he was put in a grave and they sealed the grave and they had guards at the grave and he's dead. Day one, day two, day three, he's dead. And all of a sudden he shows up and the stone rolled away not to let him out, he was already out. The stone rolled away to let people see that he has risen as he said, come see the place where the Lord lay. Up from the grave he arose. And now he shows himself to Mary and reveals himself to the disciples and he's together with them in an upper, in, in this area, in this, in, in, throughout Jerusalem. And there he is. You talk about excitement. You talk about joy and happiness and fired up. Let's go do something. Let's build a new auditorium. Let, let's, let's see something happen. And he says in verse four, being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem. But what? God wants you today to wait. You're not ready to go till you've learned the joy in, of waiting. I'm not willing, I'm not ready to go until I learn to wait. 
I know we've got the, have the B ministry going right now, the C ministry. I know the other property's filled. These classes are filled. We don't have every Bible college student here, but I want you to know, I want you to know you are not ready to graduate in May until you've learned the joy of waiting on God, being still before God, being patient with God. Here's the book of Acts, and God says, I want you to wait. I learned this this past week. I, this was demonstrated in my life when already God had been working on this, this verse. It was Monday morning. It was, it was still dark, and I was at a stoplight, and nobody behind me, and nobody there. And at that red light, I waited for my light to turn green. And all of a sudden, I'm trying to come out onto Montague Expressway from down the road here. I, uh, I, I waited, and my light turned green, and I was ready to go. And I did what I always do. Because people around here, always and around them, they, they, they're in such a hurry. They're going. They blow through these red lights. And I'm sure it's, you're watching somewhere, it's in your area as well. There I was waiting at that light. I took my foot, took it off the brake and got ready to put it on the gasoline. Nobody there. And I stopped for a second. I looked to my right, no one. And I looked to my left. And coming through the intersection, probably 65 or 75, uh, 70 miles an hour, this woman, <laughs> you said, I thought it was dark. It had to be a woman. <laughs> All of a sudden, this guy, this man, whoever it was, man or woman, I like to throw that out because, you know, I don't like women. I'm a sexist and all these things. Uh, but nonetheless, you got to be kidding me. You get so quiet in here. There was a day you'd, hey amen. You're, you're, ask your wife if you could say amen. I don't know if it's a man or a woman. It's like to stir things up a little bit. Comes flying through. Well, they tell you about 65, 70 miles an hour. You know, that would have been what you call a T bone accident. They teed right into my door. You would have probably by now seriously had my funeral at least Thursday and laid me to rest and the casket would have been right here because I would have been gone. There's no way you're going to live through that. But the Spirit of God says, wait, Jack. Wait. Today I want to introduce this text to you and I want you to see some very important lessons for your life and for my life as we wait upon God. God wants me to wait. God wants you to wait. And Jesus gives us this text to wait. I was preaching in a distant state many years ago. I got there and everywhere, it seems like for 40 years I would travel, I would go to a state and there are people former members of the church. I've said this before. One week in the Dallas area, 13 of our former families were there. The next week I was in Florida, 13 of our families were there. The next week over in uh, Chicagoland area, 13 of our families were there. It just, it just worked out three weeks in a row, 13, 13, 13. And I was in this region and as I preached that night that folks were waiting, they were scattered in other churches. And a couple that was very instrumental in this church and, and their generational couple, they were there and they said, Brother Treber, Pastor, we're here. We can afford a house and it's easier, all those things that we move for. But the one thing we don't have is a church. 
And here, and I'm not saying you're wrong if you move. That's, that's between you and God. But here's what they said. Leaving our church was the worst decision of our life. We're here together tonight, but we're divorcing. Our life was so strong when we were at North Valley Baptist Church. Everything we have touched, everything in our life has just been destroyed. Our family is destroyed. Our home is destroyed. And they said, oh, if we had just learned to wait. We made an impetuous decision. And if you think I'm faulting them, you're looking at the guy that's made many impetuous decisions. I think we all have. If we could just learn to wait, you will destroy your life and your family's life, and I will destroy your life if we just simply learn, do not learn to wait. Slow down. Look what it says in verse 4. Wait for the promise of the Father, which he has said, you have heard of me. You wait when you don't understand what he's talking about. He said there's a promise coming. What, what promise is coming? Well, you just wait, you'll find out. Wait, first of all, when you don't understand what God is doing, he's going to give them the promise of the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God is now going to live with us the Old Testament, as in Samson's day, he came on people. He came on Elijah. He came on for certain events. But in the New Testament, as a result of the death of Christ in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the Holy Spirit upon salvation moves within our hearts. And when you get saved, he lives with us. What's he do? He comforts us. He teaches us. He guides us. He instructs us. He's the one that leads us. He's the one that fills us. He's the one that empowers us. There is so much, but they didn't understand all this. So you just wait. It's going to happen. It's going to happen in this chapter, in the following chapter, chapter two. It's going to happen. But you wait when you don't understand what God is saying. Sometimes God has great unknown blessings right around the corner, but we don't want to wait. If I can leave something with God's people in these days of my life and one day he'll take me home or we'll go by what rapture, but if I go home in death before you, I want to be able to leave you some thoughts. And one thought is wait for God to God, wait for God's will to become known when you don't know it. And if you've ever been in church that's learned or it's learning this, this great truth, it's this church. I remember you waiting for 31 years on a one acre of land with nearly 3,000 people and 38 parking stalls, and we never had room, we never had space. You didn't understand it. You didn't understand what God was doing, neither did I, but He's building us. Before, 46 years ago, 50 years before, there was Montague Express, where it was just a little Montague Road. And every one of those that's now stoplights were all farms around here. Everything, you go down this street here, farms. Most of these, 90% of these buildings were built in the last 40 some years. 
farms were around us. This was all, that, other than that building there, it was all empty land right here until God gave it to us. They were going to put homes on this property. And twice they were shut down by the city because God, God allowed us to get it. This was a property that God, or when he created the earth, he, other people have used it and farmers have used it, and a computer company used it. But he said, the purpose why I created this parcel of land, six and a quarter acres, right here in the heart of the Silicon Valley, is for the North Valley Baptist Church. And God did it. Oh, we had to wait. I'd send certified letters to every owner from what is from here, our spot here at 101, all the way over to, was 680, and there was no 680 at the time. But where 680 is now, President Ford came, we were living behind what is now 680. And I remember when I sat up on that big fence in my backyard, about 12 feet, 14 feet up, that they put there, President Ford came by, motorcade and uh, motorcycles were coming and, and the black SUVs were coming and the vans were coming and then his limousine was coming and they looked up to me and they waved. I'm sure he said, hello, Brother Treber, how are you today? <laughs> Certainly he knows me, but I remember when they opened that up, I sent certified letters all up and down this road. Could you sell us our land? Could you sell the land? Could you give us this land? I worked, I worked, we fasted. We begin to fast, and this is how it was for years and years. We begin to fast on Wednesday night, right before church, and we would not eat Wednesday night and Thursday breakfast and Thursday lunch and Thursday dinner and Friday morning, Friday afternoon, we'd eat our first meal. Every week we did that for years. Years and years and years, begging God, give us some land. And year one, year five, year 10, year 20, year 25, year 30, year 31, God opened this door. God's way was right. Every land, every piece of land I tried to get was not the right thing, God. You don't understand, God, stop fighting God. Verse five says, John truly baptized with water that you should be baptized with the Holy Ghost. What does that mean? Brother Bertram, I wonder if you were sitting there, what, 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 baptized with the Holy Ghost? We're going to water? What, what's happening here? When you don't understand what God is doing, just trust Him. When the way seems uncertain, secondly, look what he says in verse number Verse 6, when they therefore come together, they ask him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Here, they don't understand, and it's uncertain. We have some unanswered questions about what you're going to do. What, what, what is it? Please don't go forward when things are uncertain. You can force it to happen. I can force things to happen. But when God opens the door, it's always the right time. Amen. The Eppleys would come by here and say, at the right time, at the best time, he came. And at the right time, God's going to show you. It's a wonderful thing. living life for a long season, and I've had this joy of living. 
Because more than ever in my life, I don't want to talk about a lot of things until the right time. What's God doing? I, I don't know what he's doing. Well, when's he coming? I don't know. In fact, the next verse tells you that. He said unto them, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. He's saying to us today, he said, I want you to wait when things seem uncertain. I just want you to wait when you don't understand. I want you to wait in verse 7 when it's unknown thirdly to you. It's, 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 you don't understand it. It's unknown. Uh, it's uncertain. But look when it's unknown. It's not for you to know. You don't need to know that. When I was still in high school nearby here, they never had a class to teach you, uh, I want to be very appropriate, how to have children. They never taught anything like that. When I, when I went to elementary, junior high, high school, college, uh, high school in this area, uh, they taught us reading. <laughs> this is novel. They taught us reading. They taught us writing. They taught us arithmetic. They taught us, uh, they taught us sciences. You, you won't believe this. <laughs> In history, they told us that America was great. They taught us etiquette that when the flag is in the room, you're going to pledge it, you stand for the flag. They didn't teach us about false religions, which they're doing. They didn't teach us critical race theory. They didn't teach us about hating one another and this movement against this movement. They didn't teach us how to have babies. They didn't teach us how to have abortion. And now in many states, you can, without parents' consent, go and have, a, have that taken care of. They didn't teach us that. And there's some things that are unknown to you. It's not for you to know. And there's some things in the will of God in your life it's not for you to know yet. Slow down. Well, i got to have an answer. That's the way I live. Well, stop living that way. God says, I want you to wait when you don't understand. God says, I want you to wait when it's uncertain. God says, I want you to wait when it's unknown. God wants you to wait, verse number 9, when things are unusual. When he had spoken these things, they beheld, and he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. Whoa, 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 what's going on here? He just died. He resurrected. He's tabernacled. Now he's gone. You talk about an unusual event. I wonder what unusual events are happening in your life right now. Instead of waiting for God to figure it all out, show you, he's figuring, he knows already, show you what you're trying to figure out, God will show you. Oh, that father-in-law of mine drove me crazy. I've told you before, I found land when I was working for him at the Great Berean Baptist Church in Rockford, Illinois. I found land. I, I, I can remember he was driving a rambler. He said, okay, Jack, show it to me. I mean, not that day, not that week, but a few weeks down the road. Okay, okay. Yeah, I kept, I kept telling him about this land. We drove up, I'll never forget. 
Just past the church on Auburn, 4609 Auburn, coming down to Springfield Road. I, I got to right before you get to that, the Gray's IGA store. It went down like this, and then there's a farmhouse up there. Right next to that little dirt runway airport. Right there, right there. I found the spot. Finally, gets him to, I get him to get in his rambler. I'm in the passengers. Where are we going, Jack? Just down the street before he gets Safford Road. We pull up there. He goes, no, that's not it. I mean, be nice about it. He just, like, you're wasting my time, son. What do you mean that's not it? No, no, that's, that's, that's right across from Auburn High School. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't know what I'm going to have to do to, I guess, train up a father-in-law in the way he should go. When he's old, he'll not depart from it. I went on the hunt again. I got to Auburn and Riverside, not Safford, Riverside. Instead of turning right on Riverside, my car, I, I drove a little bit further on Auburn out in the country, all the farms I found, I found. A few weeks later, I got him to go look at it. He said, well, it is a nice flat piece of property. Sort of dips at the back there. It's going to be a problem. No, that's not it. The guy wore me out. I mean, he just wore me out. You know, that was an unusual time in my life. But I was learning from a man of God. I was learning when, when you don't understand, when things are uncertain, when it's unknown, it's unusual. And then I'm to wait in unity. Look, it says in verse number 13, and when they were come together, they went into the inner in, uh, upper room, and they abode both Peter and James and John and Andrew and Philip and Thomas and Bartholomew and Matthew and James, the son of Elpheus and Simon, the zealot and Judas, the brother of James, and all these continued with one accord in prayer. That's a powerful statement. While you're waiting to God, on God, stay in unity. You know what husbands and wives do when you're waiting? You argue. When you're waiting on God, the next step, you start to disagree. At times, couples point fingers at one another. Well, I'll tell you what, we wouldn't be in this space, but, but here, here's what you did. Well, here's what you did. And you're tearing one another apart when God's trying to do something, get you ready for the best. I, 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 I look back and it's hard to believe that next month we'll have 49 years of marriage. And can I tell you something? I loved them all. I loved them for seven years. We did not have children. That was God's timing. And then I loved them when those days when God brought three kids into our life and they're all serving God full time. I just, I, I loved it. I loved being a father and raising a family. I loved being with those kids. I just, my wife helped me so much. And she loved it. And then one by one they left and that adjustment Fairly easy, by the way, because you raise them to release them. And we've been just the two of us now. It's so, so sad about life. Are you kidding? I love those kids, but I don't want them back. <laughs> and we have 14 grandbabies, and we love, love, love those kids so much. 
But when we're done, they can go home. <laughs> we're loving this time of life. I come in from work at night. The meal is ready. Smells so good. After she says, you, you sit in your comfortable chair. She comes and begins to massage my neck and spine every night. And then she says, can I do your feet next, please? And she does my feet. Oh, it's wonderful. You wait till you get my age. Some of you don't know what to think right now, do you? And when I'm finished rubbing her back and her feet, I'm not talking about that. We just love where we're at. I, I want to stay in unity with my wife. Churches, Brother Van Dyke, it's so sad to see this. Churches, when they're going through unusual times, unknown times, what churches do a lot of times, they split. They fight. People leave. People quit. People get mad at one another. But when it's uncertain times, those days for 31 years over there, God's people just stayed. I, I had them teaching on buses. They began to build these tilt-up buildings around here, and we began to use them, called them soul-winning factories. The buses would pull up. They had no electricity. It was concrete floor, concrete walls. There was no, there was no insulation yet in. There was no lights in there. And we, the people, the owners let us use it. City, no problem with the city those days. We'd use them, call them soul-winning factories. People were getting saved. Young people, the buses were growing 700, 800, 900, tipping at 1,000 on the buses. It was great. God was doing something. Our church never said, we can't keep going. We must keep going. Amen. For 15 years, I preached the, the same message Sunday morning at the early service, Sunday school, and then the second service. For 15 years, people knew if they didn't come to the second service, they weren't going to get in because they'd leave their Bibles and clothes and coats and whatnot and save the pew. So Sunday night, if you were in that second service, you were going to be in the, the uh, fireside room or in the hallway or coming down the stairs, sitting on the stairs on both sides of that building. It was just an amazing thing. The chairs all the way down the aisle, chairs right to the front after everyone got in, right here for the preaching, chairs at the front. But people stayed. There was a unity of the church. We began to give money and money and money. I recall when I said, we're having a big banquet to raise money for our new building. And that night I said, they said, where's the building? I said, I have no idea. We're calling this giving by faith. Six months later, we had giving by faith two. I still didn't have any vision. Six months later, giving by faith three. Six months later, giving by faith four. It became a contest. Let's see if we can outdo the one before. We didn't know where we were going. I know I'm taking too long. I'm just talking about you stay together. Don't let your marriage divide. Don't let your church divide. Don't let your life divide. And then, by the way, notice in chapter number two, verses one through six, we won't read it all for the sake of time. You wait and witness the unbelievable. God's going to give the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit. What a wonderful thing. And tonight, today, God wants you to wait on Him. Would you listen to this? Entitled, I Must Wait. I know I'm impatient, Lord. I want to run ahead. 
Speak to my heart and make me willing to be led. Your clock is always right, Lord. It never runs late. Your schedule cannot be hurried. So teach me, Lord, to wait. Your time is never my time. Oh, make this plain to me. And give me patience to wait and thy fulfillment see. I see through a glass darkly in, in this earthly state. I know only impatience. So teach me, Lord, to wait. I pray for thine anointing. I need thy holy touch. Oh, send me a full measure. I need it oh so much. So keep me calm and trusting in this world of strife. And amid the hurting, worrying throng, oh, Lord, teach me to wait. My message, I'm out of time. One, wait for the Spirit of God. He tells us there, Acts 1 and 2, he's sending the Spirit of God. Wait, 1 Thessalonians 2, for one, for the second coming. We are waiting for the Spirit of God to empower us. We are waiting for the second coming. We are waiting for to see his salvation. In other words, his, not salvation for heaven, his deliverance. The Bible says, Thou art that my God on thee, do I wait for my salvation all the day long. He is able to deliver thee. I, I wait with the saints. I wait on the name of the Lord for it is good to wait before the saints. I wait for sinners when they attack. Evil doers shall be cut off, but those that wait shall inherit the earth. I, I want to leave you today, and I know I'm long. You pray for me that I learn to wait. I, I want to. I think I frustrate some of you now because I said, well, let me just pray about it. And I'll say many times to some of you, give me a, a week, just pray. Give me a month. Just, just we'll, we'll have an appointment, but get, give me a month or two. Let's just wait. I don't have a month or two. I, I need to know right now. Then make your decision because I'm not, I'm not going to voice my opinion until I've waited on God. Your life is too important. Your children's lives, your marriage is too important. I want to wait. In closing, there was a great preacher in New England many years ago. His name was Philip Brooks. Philip Brooks wrote, wrote books and just a, a tremendous preacher, well-known preacher. But the people that were his intimate friends knew that he suffered in his life moments of irritability, frustration, because he would want to get forward and move forward and, and things weren't happening. It said that one day he was pacing like a lion, just back and forth and back and forth and just pacing. And a friend said, Pastor, what's the trouble? They said, I'll tell you what the trouble is. The trouble, the trouble is that I'm in a hurry and God is not. That's the trouble. I, I wish that sometimes I could just have a magic wand and remedy this situation for you. And if anybody's deserving it, you people are. You've been so good. You're so amazing. 
You've been patient with me. You've been patient with what God's doing all these years. I appreciate you so much. But you know, the best maybe is yet to come. I was praying this morning or last night or sometime about that front building on the academic building. A, a new lobby so that we can have an elevator to the second floor and more additional parking. I was praying for the memorial chapel back here and for this corner building and for that building back there. I don't know what God's going to do, but I'm not going to try to make it happen. I'm going to wait on God. God always makes his plan known. It's going to be so very well known in this church and in your marriage and in your home and your family. One word this morning, wait for the promise of his coming. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.